On this episode, we talk with Kyrie Oliver and how he's managing 15 million a year in media spend for just seven to eight clients. It's an amazing story and how he goes from, you know, literally charging his clients $500 a month for managing 30K a month in media uh, to now earning a percentage of the revenue um, and profit share with his clients. Plus, you'll also talk about a epic poor ad failure and uh, how he ultimately ended up actually refunding his retainer and the ad spend back to a client in just the first 60 days. Super interesting dude, super soulful, and uh, keeps it 100% real. Enjoy the episode. So again, my, my background's in human behavior, human psychology. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we believe the things we believe? And, and I use that information and I literally sit here at my desk in my office with my eyes closed when I'm starting up a project and I really start to dig into who is this person and what do they need to hear right now to do what we desire for them to do for us, which is purchase a product or create a subscription. And so like with sports, you start to think, I think about the kids in high school who were like never on the basketball team, but loved everything basketball. And what else are they interested in? What else does their life look like? Um, what do they believe to be true about themselves? All of them believe that they could have gone D1, you know, if if this hadn't happened or if they hadn't gotten hurt or whatever, even though they never tried out for the team, that was part of their identity. It was like, I could have done it had I, had I attempted. Listening to the Rich Ad Poor Ad podcast, where we break down the financial principles that rich advertisers are deploying today to turn advertising into profit and get tons of traffic to their websites without killing their cash. These advertisers, agencies, affiliates, brands are responsible for managing over a billion dollars a year in ad spend. You'll hear about what's working for them today, their rich ads, and we'll roast their epic failures and crappy ads on the internet with poor ads. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. This is your host, Zach Johnson. I'm with the one and only DC, Dylan Carpenter. How you doing today, Dylan? Doing good, man. I'm, I'm pumped for this one. Dive into some consumer behavior, some psychology. We haven't really dove into this topic too much yet, so y'all buckle up. <laughs> yeah, I feel like today's guest is going to really be able to break down every single element that goes into a Rich Ad Uh I think even in more detail than most of our other, you know, previous guests. He's he manages uh, about 15 million a year in media and really only works with 7 8 clients at a time and he does everything himself, which is rare. It's incredibly rare cuz most people are trying to outsource that shit. <laughs> and um and so I got mad respect for for uh Mr. Kyrie Oliver, the founder of Influx Interactive. How you doing today, man? I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, Kyrie. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to be on. Dude, so you have an incredible story. I'd love just to get the audience a little bit up to speed about, like, how did you come from, what, what, you know, what you're doing before, and, and how did you end up here where we're at today? Yeah, well, it, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, but I'm a, <laughs> I played football in college. I was a division one athlete. I went to university of Idaho, um, ended up moving home after a while, helped my friend run his gym. And then he and I actually both started working with, uh, Brendan Burchard at the same time. Oh. Uh, anybody who doesn't know, it's kind of like a junior Tony Robbins, but focus a little bit more on the business space. Um, oh. and we just started volunteering at his events. We went to one event 
and one of his right hand ladies said we need bigger dudes for the front of the room because we're going to grow the events and we don't want people acting crazy yeah. and so my friend who's an ex-nfl player i'm an ex-college football player we both uh, just started attending all his events in northern california which is where i grew up and that same friend started his speaking career i started doing public speaking and uh he'd hired a marketing company this same friend um probably like six months he was paying him like 3500 a month and then 1500 a month in ad spend and it was just kind of to grow a brand he didn't really have anything to sell yet and i think they gotten him to like thirty thousand followers on facebook and i started making fun of him one day because he had thirty thousand followers and anything he would post would get like seven to 10 or 12 likes on it <laughs> and nothing past that. And so I just started saying, hey, maybe time to look into something else because people obviously aren't, aren't responding to what, you, what you're currently putting out. And then it kind of got serious. Like, hey, man, do you even know what they're doing? Do you have any way to check that they're actually being beneficial to you? And he said, no. And so I started looking in at Facebook Insights and uh, saw that they were buying like clicks and followers from the Philippines and probably just pocketing the rest of his money. And so I just told him, hey, fire them. Let me try to figure this thing out. And if I can pay me a few hundred bucks a month. Um, and I, at the same time, I was interviewing a lot of people. I was really trying to figure myself out after college. I, After anybody who's played sports or especially high level of sports, when you leave, you have this weird identity crisis of mm -hmm. I'm no longer Kyrie the athlete. So I'm, who am I now? Mm -hmm. And so my remedy for that was I'm going to talk to as many people as possible about their lives, uh, what they've done right, what they've done wrong, what they love, what they hate, what they regret, um, and try to get a, a really good view for myself. And I realized as I was helping this friend market himself, you make people feel understood, therefore they seek to understand. And it's kind of this reciprocal thing back and forth. And probably after maybe six months, I started to think, um, I, I learned about Facebook ads and kind of just heard about it and then started wondering whether that could transfer over. Can I get somebody to make a purchasing decision based on their belief systems, based on their identity, based on how they relate to themselves and the world around them? And uh, I started going to like seven, eight figure businesses and just saying, hey, let me run your ads for you. If you can guarantee me an ad spend of like twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars a month. I'll run your ads for $500. Ooh. And I did that for like 18 months. And I think when I picked my head up, I had done like 24 mil. And I thought that was okay. And then I looked at all the influencers in the marketing space who had done like two or $3 million and were making millions talking about doing two or $3 million in, in revenue. <laughs> and uh, it, it was very, very confusing at first because I didn't think I was good at what I did. I thought I was okay. And I realized that just like the standard for excellence was very low in this space. And coming from athletics, the standard for excellence is really high. And so yeah. it was a really easy way for me to come in and just say, I'm going to outwork and hopefully outperform most of the other people in this space and make them look really bad. <laughs> okay, so let me get this straight. You went around telling people, if you give me twenty dollars to $30,000 a month in spend, I'll charge you $500. I miss, I feel like I'm missing something here. You were just like, literally that was your retainer, $500. Dude, a month. I was living in my apartment in Chandler, Arizona. My rent was 1400. And like, I'd have to go hustle the day my rent was due. Cause I had to like buy dog food the day before. And I was a little bit below. 
I didn't meanwhile, make, meanwhile you're managing like hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> in media spend. Yeah. yeah, I got like five or six companies to say yeah. So I was making like 2,500, three grand a month. I wasn't doing well, but I was learning really fast. I was pulling like 16, 18 hour days, locking myself in my apartment, not talk to, talking to anybody. Man. That's <laughs> wild, man. That athlete in you definitely gave you some killer freaking skills for this afterwards that's for sure man there was so much crossover and i, I was well, you're making up for it now though right Car- i mean like oh what, we're, what? we're getting paid today <laughs> we're getting paid today <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by funnel dash's ad card the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend and if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to 12 months then check out AdCard. See, the typical agency model is this. You charge 10% of your spend, and you make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really one to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that one to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your clients' ad account. And before AdCard, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask. And then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at funnel-dash.com. So there's so some of the, the, the folks listening are agencies and they're always curious about, you know, the, the high level operators, right? That are doing everything themselves and how much leverage is in that, right? Because yeah. most people say, stack on the clients, churn and burn, hire media buyers, but you have some really deep, you know, client relationships. So, you know, I don't know how much you're, you're comfortable sharing here, but maybe for the other agencies here, like peel back the onion a little bit of like, what really is possible as you went from, you know, completely and utterly undercharging to really creating a model that works for you and uh, your clients today? Yeah, it's it's all just been a learning process, man. I mean, I'm 26 right now. I started doing this when I was 21. Um, started the interviewing stuff when I was 19. And so it, it was just really like molding and shaping. I was with a business partner for like six months, and then we stopped working together. And I built up a team of six. I thought I want to do the agency route for a minute. And then I realized quality control is a huge issue with, with the agency route. And it's kind of a built-in issue when you're not the person who's doing the thing the thing sometimes gets left undone. Um, And so I just really, I saw one of my friends who did like a little boutique agency and he had like one or two employees and I thought I want to do something like that. And then still quality was an issue. So I just said, Hey, I'm going to do it myself. I have the results compared to again, the market. And so I'm just going to lean all the way into leverage. I'm going to leverage my time. I'm going to leverage my talent. And I'm going to get paid really well per project so that I don't have to manage so many projects. I love that. I love that. So should we get into it? What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, man, I'm freaking ready for this one. <laughs> All right, man, let's hear it. What's, what's a rich ad that's working for you right now? 
Um, one of our one of my ecom clients is doing really well. Um, I won't say the what it is, but it's in the sports niche. Um, they yeah. just launched six weeks ago. We launched our first campaign. Um, yep. We're spending about 120 grand a month. Ooh. And so far, so about six weeks in, um, we've spent probably about 200K. And I'd say, I think we've made like 1.4 back. Yeah. Talk to me. Tell me more. Talk to me. Talk to me. (laughs) Um, So again, my my background's in human behavior, human psychology. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we believe the things we believe? Yeah. And and I use that information. And I literally sit here at my desk in my office with my eyes closed when I'm starting up a project and I really start to dig into who is this person and what do they need to hear right now to do what we desire for them to do for us, which is purchase a product or create a subscription. And so like with sports, you start to think, I think about the kids in high school who were like never on the basketball team, but loved everything basketball. And what else are they interested in? What else does their life look like? Um, What do they believe to be true about themselves? All of them believe that they could have gone D1, you know, if, if this hadn't happened or if they hadn't gotten hurt or whatever, even though they never tried out for the team, that was part of their identity was like, I could have done it had I, had I attempted. And so you give people this vision of that ideal lifestyle for themselves and they purchase based on believing that about themselves. Um, now, some people go towards the negative. Some people go towards like people's fears and insecurities to sell. And uh, I try to stay away from that as much as possible. I, I just really don't want to deal with the, uh, the moral and ethical burden that I've seen other people go through when they promote products based on fear and, uh, and lack. And then I talk to them behind the scenes and they're miserable and they can't figure out why. So I've always tried to keep my conscience clear on that side. So I like, again, I like catering to people's beliefs. I like catering to who you think you are and finding a product or a service that matches that ideal self and then talking to you like your ideal self. And yeah making sales off of it. I feel like Kyrie, you're like the guy that's just like going to just reach into somebody's soul and just like make their heart beat, dude. <laughs> like even, even like, I don't know who your clients are, but like I've seen, you know, some, like sometimes I pay attention to my feed, sometimes not, but I was just pulling up <laughs> some of the stuff that, you know, that you post on Facebook. Um, and there's like some gold on this stuff, man. He's just like heart, heart, you know, just life reflecting moment, uh, stopping posts where you're like, dude, this is, this is crazy. You're like, on August, you're like, make sure you never success your way into apathy. Like what? Oh my gosh. Like who's dropping these? I'm going to call you Kyrie, the prophet. uh, I I feel like, um, there was another one. I was just, when it before this, I was looking at another one before the show. You're like, a lot of people are running around driving Chrysler 300 businesses, <laughs> swearing <laughs> up and down that it's a Rolls Royce Phantom to your customers, but branding won't fix that bad business problem. <laughs> like, dude, that's just like, this is so good. Last one, I'm gonna stop just talking you up. I'm gonna tear you down here on the port. Right <laughs> but, uh, I believe every human has sort of a genius and uh, has some sort of genius inside of them. Most of us just ruin it by trying to be somebody else. 
What? Uh, I'm just gonna go cry in my closet right now. Is uh, <laughs> so like, dude. If you're if if you're uh, if you're putting like that much like deep soul searching thought into your clients' ad campaigns, is <laughs> your Facebook posts? Uh, I'd imagine that that you probably know your your customers' audiences and customers better than than probably they do. Inside and out. Well, I usually have to tell them who their audience is when we get started. <laughs> oh, well, dude. Here's who you think your audience is. And then let's disrupt all of that and all the shitty branding courses that you've taken and really dig into who needs what you have. And Woo. are these pretty established? I imagine these are pretty established businesses that think they have their buyer personas locked and loaded. And then you come in like, all right, here's a curveball. Huh. Mm, I'd say it's like 50 50, man. Okay. Um, I work with a lot of like new ideas because mm-hmm. I really enjoy the new ideas and they got some investor capital or they're transitioning from something else where they have some capital to throw at ads. And uh, they know who to go to, to, to make it work now, as opposed to a year and a half from now after burning through a few other people. Um, mm. So I'd say it's probably about 50, 50 with established businesses versus, Hey, here's an idea. Can we run with it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have this new thing called ad card and ad capital will hit you up on afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> we have some like game changing ideas and thoughts about how we want to go fund people's ad spend. So that's the problem with the show, Dylan. We just meet all these amazing marketers and I like, I'm like, Hey, Kyrie can, you know, it's 500 bucks a month, right? Is that the, is that the, uh, is that the retainer? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, if I could just hire all of them, that'd be amazing. Um, dude, so good. Such good stuff. Uh, I want to know that you're not perfect though. <laughs> tell oh, me, God. tell me about a poor ad, man. Tell me, but don't tell me like, wait, we had uh, we had somebody on. It was like it was like this humble brag. He's like, "Well, it was an ad campaign that I thought it was bad, but it turned out to be really good." And then so we ended up making money on it. But that's like my worst stuff. And then we get agencies on. We we actually just kind of tell them to stop. We like won't even let them do this. They're like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I don't, I just don't have anything, you know, that's really losing right now. I'm like, all right, well, you can't be on the show. <laughs> I only hit home runs, you know. I only hit home runs. <laughs> You're done here. I, those people, I always ask them to show me their bank account. Oh, really? You're like, <laughs> you show me in real time. Like, let's hop on Zoom. Don't don't show me the screenshot that you bought off of Fiverr of somebody else's <laughs> campaign. You open up your ad account and show me what you're actually doing. Because when I go into the back end of some of these gigantic businesses and realize they're struggling to maintain like a 1.3x return. It, it's it's hilarious when I see the owner of those companies posting online how incredible their eight-figure business is. <laughs> Not realizing it takes eight figures in spend to make the little bit more of eight figures that they're making. Oh my gosh. It's it, just dude, like it's, it's sad. I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely heard some gurus out there. Yeah, you know, we spent roughly, you know, one point two million on ads, had a killer return, walked away with thirty thousand profit. Like, wait, what? <laughs> Those are called e-com sellers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, our margins are great, man. We're making like five, six percent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, tell me what's what's not working. Yeah, actually, I just uh, refunded a client shoot three weeks ago um and i actually did retainer and some of the ad spend i think i, I split the ad spend back with them um because they had one of those Wait, how, how does that work uh, how do you why are you splitting the ad spend with your clients so i need to first know this so i i run a few businesses with them 
Um, okay, I run it. a few of their different ads and they had one of those great ideas that I got behind. And I said, hey, this thing's going to absolutely blow up, put money behind it and let's go. And I think I ran, we ran ads. I think we gave it like seven or eight weeks and it literally just wasn't taking off. Um, it was in a market that's really, it's difficult to find the the buyers. I usually tell people all the time, like, you know, can we market this thing? And I say, as long as we're marketing to anybody except for men over 45, yes. Because men over 45 just aren't on Facebook and Instagram as much as everybody else in the world. Um, and this is one that I really believe could take off. And I was behind it. And we got shit on. <laughs> uh, horribly. Like, I think... I don't think we went negative, but we were damn close. Wow. And like net, we were probably negative. Um, mm. We, we, I don't even think they spent that much. It was maybe 20 grand that we spent mm -hmm. on it. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe made 24 back. And again, after costs, we were, we were bad. And so I refer we bad. <laughs> yeah, it's not okay. We were bad. Yeah. Um, and I don't, it's not often because it, it's not often something that I can pinpoint and saying, Hey, this is just something I wasn't able to do. Right. Um, and obviously as a, as an agency or as an ad runner, you're trying to mitigate that from the front end. If I go in mm. and I look at your sales page and it's garbage, I'm not going to say, yeah, let me run traffic to the sales page. I'm going to send you to my guy who will make your sales page convert that I've worked well with that I think you can do a good job with. Mm. Um, I did a few years of that whole, let me only control the traffic and then blame everybody else for everything when it goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, it just doesn't, doesn't fit what I want to do with my business right now. So mm -hmm. uh, again, I, I approved the rest of their process. I thought it was amazing. I tried running the ads and it just, like I said, it took a shit on us. Mm -hmm. And so I, I returned my retainer. And then I think I, I returned like six, seven grand of the ad spend. Again, caveat is I work on other projects and I make a lot of money from these clients. So it was mm -hmm. something I was okay doing to save the relationship with the client. Mm -hmm. How do you return six, seven grand when you're the one paying for the ad? <laughs> Break that down for me. How does that work? What do you mean? I, well, like, I mean, so they were paying basically. for ads. They were paying for ad spend. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. So all got my it. clients pay their own ad spend. Um, got it. Okay. I thought you said you threw in some of your own money on ads. I'm like, dude, if that money was gone, I'm like, you, you refunded what you spent. And I'm like, how is this happening right now? Again, uh, on a random client, there's absolutely no way, but it, on yeah. somebody who you're making, you know, triple what you just gave back on every mm -hmm. them, it, it's yeah. worth saving the relationship to be able to do that. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. Cray cray. So, uh, Man, I think you know we're getting into this this next segment here. I I'm gonna keep this brief, but like I think what you just talked about there of it's not enough to just own the media side of it and the clicks, and then just be like, hey, if your funnel doesn't work, then uh, it's on you, right? You have to be thinking through both the funnel and the conversion and the media um, these days to really be a competitive media buyer and marketing partner. I yeah. think the I think the next step is kind of you know what you basically just did, right? Is is really taking it into <clears throat> it's a financial conversation. And you have 
I mean, you basically put money on the line, right? And I think more and more traditional agencies that have just kind of lived and died by their retainers, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, that, that either help their clients, you know, manage more of their finances, more agencies that are getting more revenue share or upside, yeah. you know, in the businesses <clears throat> or agencies that are really just going to put some of their own money on the line and, and, uh, and, you know, try to get more than $500 a month. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah. So I, I wanted to use that as kind of a precursor transition in this next piece is really around some financial principles of how you're thinking about, you know, things for yourself and also things for your clients. I love how simple you keep things, um, you know, in the business. I love uh, just the complete and utter, you know, satisfaction with working with seven to eight clients and going deep with those and um, staying focused on that. Right. And, and building expertise there versus, you know, just grabbing for, for, for straws on a lot of different areas. So, you know, in the, in the, in the frame of, you know, keep it simple, what are you learning in this space? Um, what, what, uh, what are some of the things you could share with the audience? Yeah. Well, for one, I want to say, I understand both ways of doing it. I understand my way, obviously, which is why I chose it. And I understand like the burn and churn route. I understand like you got bills to pay. You're, you're trying to build a business and burn and churn is, is a way to do it. It's obviously never intentional. But a lot of when you have a higher volume of projects happening, you have a higher volume that won't work. And again, I, th- I think there are inherent problems with that way of going about things. Um, but you also hopefully learn quickly and learn to transition quickly. So I don't mm-hmm. think there is necessarily a wrong way of mm-hmm. structuring the business unless you're not making any money and you're not getting results for clients. But if you're doing one or the other, or hopefully both, when I approach a project, I always approach it with like when you're talking about structuring or uh, putting skin in the game, you have to look at your level of business, um, your results based on the size of the or compared to the size of the business that you're looking to take on. So there's so many people, there's so many agencies who just want retainers, and they retain their way to whatever scale business they have. Then there's clients who want to only pay based on performance. And these two people butt heads all day long and all night long because the clients are tired of getting people who charge a retainer and don't produce results. And the agencies are tired of getting clients who don't want to pay for the work that needs to be done for their project. And I think a lot of these people just there's a lot of friction between them. And so what I explain to people when they come asking me for like pricing and packaging is if your results, your previous results outweigh the size of business that's coming on, there's no way you need to be putting scene in the game up front. They need to be paying a retainer. And that's mm. my response when people ask me if, um, if I'm willing to do just a performance base. I'll say yes, and you have to be spending a minimum of $150,000 a month, and you have to show me proof of concept. Like you have mm. to show me that there's people actually interested in who have bought at a pretty decent volume and be willing to put the ad spend behind it. And then, yes, I would love to take 15% of revenue minus ad spend. And that scares almost all of them off because the yes and thing is one of the best things I learned in like sales negotiations because you're not telling them you can't do it. 
you are saying, yes, I can do this. And here's what I require. And typically mm. the requirement is above what they're able to do, which is the exact same thing that they were trying to do to you. How about- mm. Oh, this is gold, man. I love this thing. Dude, I think every agency in the world like needs to hear Kyrie's negotiation strategy here for uh, when a client says, hey, can you do performance only? I, I love get excited it. when they ask me for performance. Absolutely, I'll do performance. Yeah. Here's what you got to yeah. pay. <laughs> yes. But you're right. Like it's not, it's not a gimmick. It's really like if you want a performance, you gotta show me product market fit. You gotta show me traction. And you gotta have marketing budget, right? <laughs> like to throw at it. It's gotta be yeah. based on your success. If you've never been successful, take mm-hmm. on clients for free. If you've never run a successful campaign and you don't have any proof, start doing free shit for bigger mm-hmm. companies. Start mm-hmm. writing sales pages for them. Start adding more to what you do. But if you have something to leverage, leverage the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love it. Kyrie, you killed this, man. Thank you so much. You've been an amazing guest on the show. Tell everybody a little bit about what you're excited about next and uh, where people can learn more and get in touch. Shit, excited about next is Q4. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Black Friday and those holidays. <laughs> That's yeah. great, man. That's when we pay for the girlfriend's new purse and whatever else she wants. Well, the biggest thing I would tell people is, is, again, if you identify as a marketer, human psychology is the best thing you're going to be able to do for yourself. I was telling these guys before we got on, people tactic themselves to death. You go on every group, you buy every course on all the tactics to do and your campaign still don't work because you don't understand the people on the other end of the screen. Mm, yeah. So Bam. get in touch with those people. Literally, and I have a lot of my clients literally reach out to them, email somebody who's bought your product and say, why did you buy my product? Reach out to somebody who got to the sales page and didn't buy and say, why didn't you buy my product? They're going to tell you because they have nothing to lose. They don't know you. Um, interview 20 people and get their information and tweak your process based on that. Mm-hmm. Same thing as if you're selling your services as an agency, somebody says no to you, please give them a follow-up, send them a little gift for their time and say, I'd love to pick your brain about what part of us working together didn't work out for you. Mm-hmm. you I love it. Have their ego around that. Kyrie, you're amazing. Thank you so much, man. You've been an epic guest. We'll definitely have you back on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, Go ahead and leave a review and a comment. Share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it. Email me, Zach at FunnelDash.com. Show me you left a review. And I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to RichAdPoorEd.com. To leave a review, go to RichAdPoorEd.com slash review. Thanks again.